Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. <laughs> well, well, hello everybody. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. I got him. My name is Mark. With me as always is my fiance Carol. How you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? How much has been a good week here? It's uh, March fourteenth, nineteen ninety-eight. I just like that we we just both decided without saying anything to each other to just have an impromptu dance party while the, <laughs> while the theme song played that no one could see. Cause it's fun. We gotta have fun here. Oh my goodness! What we do? Oh. oh, oh. Yeah, it's uh, it, it has been fun. <laughs> I've got some sad news, though. No, Carol. come oh, on. Yeah, don't, got... don't kill the happy mood. I have to. Two, two sad things. Two things about death. Oh, Jesus. First of all, yes, exactly. People that have met Jesus. First of all, uh, Lloyd Bridges, uh, father of Bo Bridges, who you probably are not super familiar with because he was... More popular in the 60s and, like, maybe the 70s, you know. And Jeff Bridges, who was just in The Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. their, that's their dad. Okay. Actor Jeff Bridges uh, died. Aw. 85 years old. So, I mean, you know, pretty good innings. Um, well, but he was... Okay, so the guy in The Big Lebowski didn't die. No, his father did. Okay. Uh, he was an air, airplane sea hunt... Uh, the uh, Hot Shots movie. The what? old guy in Hot Shots? Like, with yes. the white hair? Yes, exactly. Wasn't he in some movie with, um... Oh, what the fuck is his name? Uh, with OJ. Yes. <laughs> wait, wait. No. No? No. You're So, okay. Same directors, the Zucker brothers, made Naked Gun, which is, I assume, the movie you're talking about with OJ. Maybe. I and then Airplane... Which is the movie that G- Lloyd Bridges was in? Okay, Lloyd Bridges was the air, was the air traffic controller guy, the head in in Airplane with Leslie Nielsen, who was in The Naked Gun. That's from the and Leslie, Leslie Nielsen's Nielsen. probably who you're thinking. Yeah, of. but anyway, eighty five. Uh, you know, rest in peace. And then the other sad bit of news. I mean, it's sad for everyone, really, but also happy in a way. Because uh, Tamagotchis can now find eternal rest. Here. Oh, jeez. There are a trio of websites created by people as graveyards for your Tamagotchi. What in the world? Uh, a proper send-off, which is www.d.3.com slash deadpet. Here, mourners are encouraged to place the dead virtual pet atop their computer monitor and wait for digital morticians to arrange the pet service and assemble mourners as a jazzy version of Taps Place. Taps is that. Yeah, I know what Taps is. Uh, Polis Tamagotchi Cemetery, which is www.geocities.com slash Tokyo slash flats slash 6337. What in the actual fuck? A site that proves Tamagotchi cultists are worldwide. The bereaved can register their virtual pets on a series of memorial pages in any language. 
And then finally, the uh, Cyber Pet Grave page, web.ukonline.co.uk slash nick.t3 slash tam slash grave dot htm. I didn't bury my dog. <laughs> I don't understand this. <sighs> this page created by Nick Tarrant of England is so full that all the entries in the graveyard are... <gasps> Deleted. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so Tamagotchis. There's a big Tamagotchi graveyard out there, everybody. So if your Tamagotchi has died, as, as so many Tamagotchis have, there are places to go to bury them. Wow. Please don't do that. Please <laughs> please don't waste your time. <laughs> Burying a, a digital pet. Yeah, just just move on with your life. It's okay. <laughs> Just throw it away like we all do. That's Flush it do. down the toilet like it's a goldfish. Oh, yeah, don't do that. That would not go well. The sewers will be uh, piling with Tamagotchi <laughs> bodies. And then when, when they become sentient like Skynet, then they'll, they'll rise from the sewers <laughs> to get us. The alligators will start playing Tamagotchi. You know how, <laughs> you know how every once in a while I'll read an Ann Landers segment? Just, uh-huh. just for fun. Yeah. Uh-huh. The uh, the advice columnist. We should do advice on our show. We should. Hey, if anybody wants to write us for advice, I, I would take that on. Okay. So, uh, latefee1994 at AOL.com if you want our advice. <laughs> whatever at your, your own risk. Whatever your 1998 problem is. <laughs> um, relationship wasn't worth the trouble of having sex. Okay. Dear Ann Landers. I think there's a personal problem beyond the relationship there. Just saying. I was intrigued by the letter from Howard Beach, New York, who said he wanted only a platonic relationship with a woman and nothing beyond that. If I were 20 years younger, he'd be right up my alley. (laughs) My marriage of 16 years ended because I could no longer tolerate the sex in order to maintain the companionship. A lot of women think as I do. I don't know what she's basing that on. I don't know about that, yeah. There are many of us who consider sex an unhygienic and degrading experience that must be endured in order to produce children. Because so many women these days don't plan to have a family, I would think there are probably a fair number who would jump at the chance for a platonic marriage. Glad to be sexless in Canada. What the fuck? No, honey, you're, you're, you're what they call asexual? Like, that's not... It's not like a thing that most people deal with, though. I agree. I, I think this is weird. Yeah, like I mean, I have, I mean, I, I I have met one person that also said they. Well, no, okay, two people. I've met two people that said that they would rather not have sex. Wow. But I mean, that's not a lot. No, not in all the people that we meet throughout the day. <laughs> but I mean, then again, how many of them do you discuss their sex lives with? I mean, plenty. Pretty much everybody I talk to. Really? Um, no. Uh, let's see what Ann Landers says. Okay. I respect your right to hate sex, <laughs> but when you describe it as, quote, an unhygienic and degrading experience, red flags go up all over the place. <laughs> I wonder what in your life happened that made you so bitter. Interesting. That's it. That's yeah. a good question. That's all she said? Yes. Jesus. But that is a good question. Like, what kind of sex is she having? It really feels like, wait till you read the next one, too, because it really feels like Ann Landers is just uh, phoning it in this Uh-oh. week. 
Dear Ann Landers, this is a letter to my wife. I hope you will run it in ev- in your space because she reads you every day. Dear spouse, please don't call me at work to tell me I didn't put the dishes in the dishwasher. Also, I do not want to hear that the children are driving you crazy. When you make such calls, it affects my mood and I am unable to do my work. <laughs> Also, I would appreciate it if you didn't ask me on the phone when I'm going to get a raise. I do not know the answer to that question, and if someone should overhear our conversation, it might sound like I am not satisfied with my job, and I could be given a pink slip with my next paycheck. Nobody in this office gets as many phone calls from home as I do. People I work with roll their eyes whenever the phone rings. Signed, Loving Husband, who has had it. Dear Loving Husband, you two need counseling. <laughs> I hope you get it immediately. That's it? Yep. What the fuck, Ann Landers? <laughs> like, were you on vacation and just pretending to be working? I guess. One sentence, maybe two. Wow. Yeah, for both responses. That's awful. Plus, it's like the guys like, hey, Ann Landers run this so I can bitch at my wife. Because I don't want to talk to her face to face. And Ann Landers does it and then is like, you need counseling. I don't, I mean, honestly, though, I feel like this guy is kind of a dick. But if it's so bad that his coworkers are rolling their eyes and stuff, then she probably is calling way too much. But are they really? Is that just an impression? Mm. I mean, here's the thing. It's not like she's got to be calling. If he works in an office, does she have to talk to a secretary to get to him? Maybe. And she call him directly. Like, if she's talking to other people to get to him, that is kind of... You know, Embarrassing. Yeah. But, I mean, like, she needs to vent. Like, does she have anybody to talk to? Does she have a life outside the house? Do you have more than one car? Or is she just stuck at home with the kids all day, completely isolated? And occasionally, when she wants to kill them or herself, she picks up the phone and calls and says, Hey, the kids are driving me crazy. And you're like, you know what? You're affecting my mood and my job. You're gonna you make, know, fuck you. You're going to make a great mother. I am. <laughs> what she wants to kill kids <laughs> or herself. I'm just saying he should be a little more understanding. I don't disagree with you, really. And then finally today, we have an article about uh, an up-and-coming band called Marcy's Playground, which you may or may not have heard of out there. Uh, they're... Their song "Sex and Candy" yeah. has been playing, uh, uh, you know, on the radio. Um, you know, it, like in the the alternative radio stations. I was like going to say, like everybody should know that song. Well, not everybody though. I mean, it's not on like the mainstream radio. It's on the you know, it's on it's on the radio that us or or people a different age listen to. Cool people. Um, but it says there is no Marcy in Rock Trio Marcy Playground. Okay. Great. Are they three dudes? Yeah. Because maybe they are cumulatively some woman named Marcy's Playground. (laughs) Few circumstances would seem more devastating to an up-and-coming rock band than the demise of its record label. But Marcy Playground, a New York trio whose sex and candy has been the most frequently played single for weeks on college and modern rock radio stations, took the news calmly when EMI closed its doors last June, only four months after releasing Marcy's debut album. 
Quote, I saw it as some strange light of an opportunity to try something new and different, says John Wozniak, the group's singer-guitarist and primary songwriter. I never saw it as a negative. As it turns out, he had reasons for his hopeful attitude. The group, which includes bassist Dylan Keefe and drummer Dan Reiser, was signed by Capitol Records within weeks and is now attracting mainstream attention thanks to its offbeat hit single, Sex and Candy. Has topped Billboard magazine's modern rock airplay chart for more than two months, and it's powering sales of the band's album, Marcy Playground. I want sex and candy. Yeah. I, d- I dig it. It's a good song. It's it's one of those where it's clearly influenced by like blues, blues and kind of you know like that sort of uh, style style. But it's got its own. It's like a rock blues mix, you know. Interesting. I want sex. Yeah. I know you want sex. Oh, do you think so? Mm-hmm. Are you in a sexless uh, relationship? <laughs> No, that's the point. Are you one of the two people you talk to that doesn't like sex? No. Speaking of people who don't like sex, Carol. Yes. We watched a movie. Yeah. Somehow, someone decided to title a movie about your life. Uh-huh. Kissing a fool. <laughs> I really liked this movie. Did you? I insisted that we see it, and you were like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to see it. That's what you sound what like. the so. fuck? When you disagree with me, that's what you sound like. <laughs> Why in the world would I not want to see it, though? I don't know. Maybe we see something else, she said. Maybe we go down to Baton Rouge and see something Okay, else. are you cheating Mushroom. on me with an old southern man? Oh, I don't know about that, Crowdad. Jeez, Lou. Anyway. The, anytime you disagree with me, that's what you sound like. You suggested for a second maybe we don't see it, but then you, you came over to my side. Yes, I did. Anyway. Ross from Friends is in this movie. Yeah, David Schwimmer. Yeah. And, and Brody from, from Clerks. From Mallrats. Mallrats. Yeah, he's not in Clerks. He's not? No. Oh. Uh, what's his? What's that guy's <laughs> name in Clerks? Uh, fuck Randall, but yeah. no, it was definitely not Randall. Brody's not in no. cl- in Clerks. It's yeah. Randall in Clerks. Okay, played by uh, Anderson. Uh huh. Somebody Anderson. Sure. Jason Anderson. But yeah, Tim so, Anderson. And who's the chick? Do you know the chick? The chick? No, I don't know the chick. Me either. But there's some chick that uh. <laughs> Well, there's a chick in the movie, for sure. Yeah. Um, So, Ross, whatever the fuck his name in the movie is, I don't remember, is some famous, like, news guy. Yeah, he works for WGN. But, I mean, locally famous, obviously. For the Chicago area. Yeah, this movie takes place in Chicago, so. Yeah. Um, What's up, you Chicago staple? He is really full of himself, though. Yeah. He's there, Bernie Smilovitz. Who's that? It's a local sports guy. Really? Yeah, he's, he's on the he's on uh, Channel Four. He does the Channel Four Sports. Huh. Bernie Smilovitz. Weird. I don't know that name, but no, oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't, don't pay attention don't, to sports. Yeah, you don't watch the local news either. Usually, ah, well, every once in a while. Um, but yeah, so he he's friends with a writer. Yes, by the name of Jason Lee. 
And the writer guy, he's, I'm trying to remember what his book's about. His book's about his, his past relationship. The breakup that yeah. he had. Okay. The breakup, the relationship and subsequent breakup he had with Vanessa Angel from a few different things. Spies Like Us, the uh, weird science or TV show on USA, and Kingpin, which we, we did. Mm-hmm. So the editor is the girl that they're both end up in kind of into, but yeah. at first she gets set up by the writer Jason Lee on a blind date with Ross. Correct. I'm just gonna call him Ross. Huh? <laughs> I am. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. Like it took me just a minute to figure it out. Okay. So really? <laughs> first, so it took you longer right now to figure it. Out. <laughs> yeah. So first, uh, Ross comes pounding at his door in the morning. He's like, how could you set me up with this crazy drunk bitch? Mm-hmm. And she just, you know, was so embarrassing on the real show. My face there again. People know me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then there's a lot of, if, if I can interrupt you, please. Yeah, of course. There's, there's a lot of editing jokes in this, in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So for instance, when Bonnie Hunt, who is the, the publisher, I guess, or whatever. She heads the publishing company. When she first starts telling the story to a couple of party guests at a wedding mm-hmm. where the editor's getting married, but we don't know who she's marrying, which one of the guys she's marrying. Mm-hmm. Although you figured it out because you're so smart. I am smart. But right. <laughs> she's talking about how he broke up and he's so miserable. And uh, he... they. Then we flash to him sitting at a bar, drinking Jason Lee, and this woman like slinks up to him, and this music's playing. It's like this like sexy music and everything, and she's like, "Is anyone sitting here?" And he goes, "I don't care." <laughs> Just like, and then we cut hard cut to her telling the story again, mm-hmm. and the so the juxtaposition is it's a funny editing joke. Yeah, and then there's more of that in this scene where David Schwimmer is telling the story about how like. She fucking drank all night or whatever, and uh, we cut to them in the restaurant, her being like, "Uh," like, you know, like, just belligerently drunk and stuff. And we keep cutting back to him telling the story and then cutting back to the story he's telling. So, in the middle of him telling the story, then there's another knock at the door, and it's the girl. Right. And he's like, makes him get in the closet to hide so he can let the girl in. Yeah. Which, like, weird. But he does that, and she comes in and starts bitching about the guy she was on the date with, and I don't remember as much what her complaint with him was. Like Her complaint with him was, compl- she made up a completely different story. Yeah. She said that, that uh, he took her to scores or whatever, or the... To a different restaurant. Yeah. It was a strip club. Oh, yeah. Okay, that was it. And so, like... I really thought, oh, my God, they went on, like, the date with the wrong people. They met up somewhere, and it was, like, with the wrong people. Yeah, you said that maybe a little too loud in the theater, because everyone <laughs> looked when you said that. Even though, in the scene prior to that, this, that the scene is, is Jason Lee introducing them to each other at a park. Oh. So how could they have gone on a date with, with It wasn't people? a blind date. Well, the, he introduced them in the park, and then All they went right. out after that. 
But that was my thought. Yes. And I was wrong because they were just fucking with him because then, you know, he comes out of the closet and they start making out. It's funny. Right. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> um, but they, they move super fast. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me they of... They both get the flash powers. The flash powers? Yeah, the powers of the flash. They start moving really fast. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Well, no, but like... They're, like, moving in together. Yeah, I know what you mean by moving really fast. Yeah. It kind of reminds you of what? Um, That couple friend of ours that, you know, got married really fast. Oh, yeah. You know, got engaged after just a few months. Yeah, well, I mean, they were they were dating for about three months or so. Yeah, and then they got engaged, and they were married in less than a year. Yeah. That's fast, and it seems like they were going the same way. They're still together, though. Yeah. Yeah, they were. I didn't say they made a mistake. I'm just saying it reminded me of that relationship to start. Okay. It was like love at first sight and all that. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, he's so David Schwimmer is a notorious ladies' man. Mm-hmm. That's something that we maybe should should point Establish, out. Establish yes. He he is dating or in a casual sexual relationship with a woman he works with with half of Chicago. Yeah, come on. But <laughs> but primarily with a woman he works with. Uh, Played by Carrie Werher. Okay. Who was Ariel on 90210. Yeah, that was that was interesting. She always plays a slut. Apparently. Uh, but anyway, so <clears throat> my question to you is, mm-hmm. is David Schwimmer that good looking? No. Like, he's a fine looking guy. Yeah. He's not ugly. He's he's a good like he's probably better than average looking. Man. Sure, he's above average looking, but handsome enough where it's believable that like all the women because he'll walk down the street and first of all, all you know the guys are like hey love you you know or whatever which is that makes sense because if they if they recognize him as the sports caster and they really like the team and stuff you know it all sure. kind of gets rolled up together but all the girls are like. Oh, oh, Tim, uh, and their tongues are hanging out and shit. But here's the thing, okay, he's supposed to be a charismatic character. Sure. And he's got the edge of being famous. Sure. So that, and that also, I believe, comes with some money. So, I mean, there's a lot wrapped up in the package of him besides just the looks. But wouldn't it have made more sense if it was Brad Pitt? Sure, but do you think Brad Pitt wanted to do this movie? I mean, this is not a Brad Pitt movie. I mean, clearly he didn't. <laughs> this is a David Schwimmer style movie, and in in contrast to what Jason, what does that mean? A Jason Schwimmer style movie? What does that mean? <laughs> I just mean like Brad Pitt has more of an epic presence. I think. Oh, you think he wouldn't? He wouldn't play. This would be playing down. To yeah, him, think? I do. I don't know. Um, but like Jason Lee, in comparison to. Uh, Fucking Ross. Um, not anywhere near as good looking. So, I mean, it's a believable contrast. You Really? Yeah. That, that's your thought on it? Yeah, Jason Lee is is average. And then uh, David Schwimmer is above average. Oh, I, think Jason Lee's, I think Jason Lee's more attractive than David Schwimmer. Really? I do. Oh, no, I From do not. From my perspective, yes. Well, you're a dude, so you don't know. So, but you're it, a straight dude. It might just be because of the... Because I like him... And the characters he plays. Yeah. I, I hate, mean, I really like Brody. I hate his hair in this movie. 
It is bad. It's really, really bad. He's got these thick sideburns, and his hair is like lighter than it should be. I, I, don't, I, I don't like I, it. I noticed the sideburns. He looks like Hitler, but with sideburns. Because <laughs> it's very like limp, like um, parted in that extreme way that, that Hitler's hair was parted. And it, oh, it's very limp like that, where it just kind of, you know, it's a little bit longer, but it lays down. Just like Hitler's hair, really. But with thick sideburns. Yeah, it's no good. No good at all. Yeah, I, I, I did not like his hair. I agree. I think if they did something better with his hair, he might fall into the above average category. But You think so? Yeah. No? Okay, well. Eh. I mean, David Schwimmer is fine, but I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> what, about, uh, what about the girl? She's Who, fine. The name we don't know. She's, I mean, she's cute. I don't think she's, you know, have men falling all over themselves cute. What do you no, think? No, no, not at all. Okay. She's not really my type. Yeah. Well, I don't like her hair either. You said something about her boobs. I don't know if you remember that or not. In the theater, I said something about her boobs. Okay. There was just a little bit of drinking before the movie. <laughs> afterwards, you did. Not in the theater, but afterwards. What did I say about her boobs? You don't remember? I don't remember. Oh, my God. You asked me. If I, uh, you, you commented on their perkiness and asked me if, despite their small size, <laughs> if I'd be interested because, you know, because of how perky they were. Okay. Yeah, I do remember that now. To which I said no. <laughs> and then this is during the drive home from the theater. And like I said, like she said, you had a little, you had, you had a little buzz going, maybe a little bit more than that. But to which you responded that, quote, this is you saying this, I think I could do something with them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I still don't like her hair. No, I didn't like her hair either. I don't like short hair on women for the most part. Yeah. You have to have a very specific look to pull off short hair as a woman. But... Yeah, agreed. And, like, I tried it once. It was awful. But as far as her and David Schwimmer, like, it's like, oh, we're, we're so in love. We're so in love right away. But the whole time, it's like we have nothing in common. We're not sure why we're in love. That's not love. Right. Exactly. That's lust. Yeah. That's, I just like having sex with you. That was David Schwimmer thinking, wow, she's so, like, he, was, he just fell in lust, mm-hmm. essentially. And for her, I think it was... More of like, she was trying to cling on to something. She mentions, and it's it's papered over a lot. It's not, there's no detail in it. But she mentions that she went through a breakup too. Okay. And that she's, it was, you know, sorted and stuff like that and everything. And she kind of buried herself in her, into her work. And... She mentions that actually to Jason Lee, mm-hmm. but we don't. She doesn't go any further into it. So I think there's some subtext there, right? So she's trying to get through that, and he's whatever, just wanting to have lots of sex with her. Sure. However, he he forgets after a while, while that she he wanted to just have sex with her and starts to remember how much he liked having sex with everybody else. Right. <laughs> well, here's the thing. He he says to he takes. Uh, Jason Lee out to drink. This is this is essentially the plot of the movie here, and for what it for what it is, I, the, the movie's it's a very simple plot. Yeah, the movie doesn't really have a necessarily like a plot. It really is just kind of a story of like, 
hey, here's a story of these three people. And it's a plot, though. I mean, it's a love triangle, but it's it's not. I, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's it's this movie feels very atmospheric. It mm-hmm. feels it like what what works about. It's hard to say what works about the movie. To be honest with you, the acting is good. The chemistry between all the players, I think, is really good. The writing really stands out. Um, and somehow they are able to capture the feel of just looking in on a group of friends, essentially. Yeah. You really get pulled into, like, caring about these people. And feeling like they're your friends. Um, and, you know, there, there are some, like I said, there's some... There's some good jokes for sure. It's not a laugh out loud movie, but there's some good jokes. Yeah, and Bonnie Hunt has a, a few of them. But anyway, uh, so she's smoking the entire time. Oh yeah, it made me miss smoking. I know, me too. But anyway, so she um, he calls he calls Jason Lee out to a bar and starts talking to him, and he's like, "Hey, it just occurred to me that." She's like he talked about uh he he started getting worried about that he was not going to sleep with anybody else ever again. Mm-hmm. And then he tells this really graphic story about how he goes upstairs and she grabs him and has like the most animalistic fucking sex ever and that it's he's like it's not cinema this is like hardcore porn stuff like you know like, he really paints a picture. Right. Which is funny, considering what happens at the end of the movie. Um, well, because, I mean, spoilers, but Jason Lee is the one that ends up with her. I think it's obvious from the beginning of the movie. But well, yeah. as she points out, I introduced <clears throat> the bride and the groom, and she didn't introduce... Da- Jason Lee introduced David Schwimmer to, yeah. to her. But anyway, um, so he's... So, in retrospect, he's telling this story to the guy that's eventually going to marry her about the fucking sex he had with her. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, that is. And they're best friends. <clears throat> but anyway, so he tells the story and everything, and he's, like, talking about how he's freaking out. And he's like, didn't it occur to you that when you, you know, gave her a ring that you weren't going to be able to have sex with somebody ever again? And he was like, I'm worried about her. Because of the animalistic stuff, she's such a fu- she's so fucking obsessed with sex or whatever. Like, I I think she, you know she's gonna need it or whatever. That's yeah, that was ridiculous. Well, it's he's he's lying. <laughs> he's he's projecting is what he's doing. Do you think they even had the crazy sex that he's saying they had? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, they had sex. I don't know if it's as crazy as, as he says. The movie is dominated by unreliable narrators. Right. I mean, that's made pretty clear from the beginning when they tell the lie <laughs> to Jason Lee, when they tell that story. And it's like, it's not, things aren't, didn't happen the way he said they happened. Right. I think that kind of establishes, hey, there might be some unreliable narration going on here. But yeah, because he's all freaked out, he's like, you should you should hit on her and see if she'll cheat on me. Yes. He's like, I want you to try to get her to sleep with you. And then in the most crass way, he keeps saying stuff like, uh, hey, did you get lucky? You know, shit like that. Yeah, it's awful. He does not act like he really cares about this woman. No, he's just looking for an out. And yeah. like, and he's using his best friend for it, which is not fair. No. And then he like takes off and like shoves them together. Mm-hmm. 
I don't oh, remember this is exactly. Where you're starting to forget. Okay. Yeah. He has to go to Detroit of all places. <laughs> he has to go here to visit uh, the offices of Retro Late Fee. Right, right. Um, but no, he he has to come here to uh, cover the Tigers and the, the White Sox or whatever. And so he's on a road trip with the team. And he's like, hey, this is your chance. Uh, you know, go over there or whatever. And so he does. And they go out and drink and stuff like that and everything. And then every time he goes to the bar, he's ordering four shots. Yeah, that's he's insane. Double fisting shots. <laughs> he feels like he has to be that drunk, I guess, to hit on her. I guess. It turns out that as it becomes pretty clear that he had a crush on her from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. But he was still getting over this breakup and didn't want to get into anything else. So instead, he introduced her to Schwimmer. Right. With the hope, as he says later, that he hoped that they would date and she would break his heart so that he could feel as bad as him. He he says that. That is such a shitty thing. It really is. Both these guys are kind of douchebags. Yeah. Oh, my. Um, but anyway, so they go out, and it turns out he probably could have slept with her if he wanted to. Probably. She gives him a kiss, and it's, you know, something else. But also, Jason Lee calls him at the hotel, calls Schwimmer at the mm-hmm. hotel, and in the shower of the hotel is Carrie Orr. Yeah, so he's been trying to sleep with him the whole time. So so. he cheated on his fiance, Mm -hmm. and he admits it. He's like, "Oh, one last time, you know, or whatever." Asshole. Which all erupts in an argument where she's basically like, "Fuck you both," and leaves. Mm -hmm. And then David Schwimmer starts reading uh, La Rochefoucauld, uh, a book about love or whatever that Jason Lee gave him, and then gives him gives each of like concocts a reason for them to go to this restaurant, this fancy restaurant they've talked about the whole movie. Gives them both letters, which make, you know, realizes they should fall in love or whatever. And then they're happily ever after. Yeah, that's the most ridiculous part about this movie is that David Schwimmer, like, orchestrates them getting together and is, like, the best man at their wedding Mm -hmm. when he was engaged to her. Yeah, she was like, I never want to see you again to, to him. And now they're just friends again. It's ridiculous. Yeah, to have that intimate of a relationship with somebody, to have it go as south as it did, and then to just be like, well, we'll still be friends, because I'm marrying your best friend, and we're all going to be happy together and stuff. And this is where chick flick movies, you know, fail. It's just the, we want to wrap everything up with a nice little bow. They do. They do. Like, the movie goes along, and like I said, it's really, it's, it's very, the emotional core of the movie is strong, and it carries you through the whole thing. And then, um... It, at the very end, like the last 15 minutes, they're like, we got to wrap all this up. And then they mm-hmm. fucking tie it up in a neat little bow, even though it doesn't make a, a ton of sense. And then we're, we're off to the races. And big reveal. It's, you know, Jason Lee is the groom. Like, we knew that. Like, yeah. the whole fucking movie people. We knew. Yeah. But uh, that's pretty much the movie. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a fun watch. I, I enjoyed it, too. I do want Apparently to. Apparently, I enjoyed her breasts, also. <laughs> I do want to give a special uh, shout-out to uh, an actress in this movie. Hmm. Local legend Judy Greer is in this movie. She plays uh, the cousin of the titular uh, fool. She went to 
the creative and performing arts or Kappa program at the same high school that I went to. Correct. Just like many years. You know what? We won't even say it because, you know, who knows what age we are, right? <laughs> many years, you say that. <laughs> many years before or after. We don't know. Exactly. Because we're an age or a different age. We'll leave it up to your imagination. Yeah, exactly. But she, yeah, she went to, she was from, from Livonia, right? Yeah, we both studied under Ms. Mack. Well, there you go. Um, so shout out <laughs> to Judy Greer, uh, local legend. And uh, Miss Greer, if you want to uh, be on our show. As an up-and-coming actress, uh, you know, come on the show. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that uh, that is the episode for today. So you can write us at LateFee1994AOL.com. Yes. Check out our website at www.RetroLateFee.com. Mm-hmm. And share the tapes with your friends. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm.